All right, I think I got batteries at work now. That'll be good. Uh, good evening. Um, we're going to start out tonight with a scripture passage. It's actually going to be up on the screen. Um, so hopefully that video is ready to go, and then we'll dive in. As you prepare your hearts and minds to hear God's word for us today, a reading from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 16 through 20, Jesus' calling of the first disciples. As Jesus passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he came upon two brothers, Simon and Andrew, who were throwing their fishing nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. After going a little further, Jesus saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in their boat, working to repair their fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them, and they left behind their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired workers, to follow him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray again. God, we thank you uh, that you called those first four disciples, just as you called each of us here, and we pray that you would continue to call and speak to us tonight uh, through these words that we share and, the, and your story uh, played out in our lives uh, as we get to give you glory and praise for the awesome things you've done. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, again, my name is Pastor Eric Blatchford, and it is a privilege to be here tonight with y'all. Um, Becky and I, my wife and I, have been here several times before. We've worshipped with you. Uh, we are here on Easter for your Easter worship, actually, uh, before we had our service, just to uh, kind of gear up and get ready for worship in that way. Um, and we've been here a few times. We know several of you through Chrysalis and Emmaus and, and many other things. And so in a lot of ways, it's nice to see some familiar faces uh, out there as we, we talk tonight. Um, but what we're what we've been invited to share with you tonight is the story of the Net Church about why we do what we do. Uh, and the real simple answer to the question, why we do what we do as we've been called to start this new church is because God called us, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. We do what we do because God calls. We received this calling into ministry about a year ago. We've been working to start a new faith community in the Rockford area uh, for just over a year now. But it's a calling that actually began six years ago when Kevin and I met in seminary. Uh, a calling that neither one of us, if we were honest, we would actually say we ever expected we would live out. We never honestly thought we would be here a year into this ministry, um, but we are. Because that's the way God works, right? That's the way God works. When you think about how God enters into people's lives, when you think about how God enters into this world, when you think about the things that God calls us to do, how does God show up? Very unexpectedly. No one's ready for it. We see that play out over and over and over again throughout Scripture. So take Abram, right? You all know the story of Abram. Abram was an old man, and all he was ready to do was retire when all of a sudden God showed up and very unexpectedly called him and said, Abram, pack up the truck, rent a U-Haul, stop by Home Depot, make sure you got a crib and some paint for a nursery because you're moving across the country and you're going to have a few kids. 
even though you even though you and your wife are almost as good as dead Paul said that not me that's in the Bible Paul said that not me so if you're closer to Abram than I am it was Paul or Moses Moses left Egypt and he thought he had left Egypt behind entirely and he's out in the wilderness tending his father-in-law's sheep when all of a sudden there's this burning bush and God shows up unexpectedly and calls him to let go of those sheep he's watching to shepherd his flock out of Egypt. Or then there's the mother of our Lord Mary who was dreaming of a wedding and her life together with Joseph when God shows up very unexpectedly and says, hey, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. Over and over and over again, when God shows up in these different people's lives, and really the, every story in Scripture, in some way, shape, or form, can kind of be summarized as an unexpected coming and calling of God. The thing that unites Moses and Abram and Mary and and even the four disciples we, we heard about in tonight's scripture passage was that when God shows up unexpectedly, rocks their world, they are ready to respond and to go and do what God calls them to do. So tonight, we're going to talk about God's unexpected coming and calling uh, first into those four first disciples' lives. And interweaved into that story, Kevin and I are going to tell the story of God's unexpected coming and calling to create the net church. And then we're going to finish this evening by simply sharing the common calling that we all have, uh, whether we're part of the net church or part of new life or any church here in this area. So uh, we'll begin with the unexpected coming and calling of God on those first four disciples. I have to say I've always been kind of amazed by this story. Um, it's a little crazy, isn't it? Here's Jesus. And up to this point in Jesus' uh, story, no one really knows who he is. He hasn't done anything amazing yet. He hasn't offered any profound teaching. He hasn't performed any great miracles. It's just in the Gospel of Mark, he shows up and he decides one morning he's going to go for a walk along the beach. And as he's walking along the beach, he comes across these four guys out in their fishing boats working hard at their jobs, trying to provide for their families. And Jesus, being a total stranger to them, calls out to them in those boats and says, Hey, you dudes out in the boat, come with me. Follow me. And now rather than respond the way I would respond, if some total stranger came up to me in the middle of my work and said, Hey, you should really come with me, Rather than respond by saying, who in the world do you think you are? And can't you see I'm kind of working here? Uh, leave me alone. These four guys just go. They drop everything and go. They quit their jobs and they go. They leave behind their friends and their family and they go. They leave their home behind and they go. Haven't you ever wondered why? What would possess you to quit your job? To go follow around some guy, to the best of your knowledge, might be unemployed as well. What would cause you to wave goodbye to all of your friends and your family to chase after a wandering stranger? We can't even say that Simon, Andrew, James, and John went because it was Jesus calling. 
because they didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't yet know he was the Savior of the world. They didn't yet know he was the Son of God. It took them a long time to figure that out. And yet when Jesus says, follow me, they drop everything and they go. It's crazy. Well, maybe this is why. This invitation to follow someone was a very common invitation in those days. In fact, every little child from the time they were about this big would have dreamed to hear those words, follow me. Because that invitation, follow me, was an invitation to become a student at the feet of a master. It was like getting an acceptance letter into Harvard or to Yale, to one of the best schools of the land, to become a superstar of the day. Because it was only prophets and teachers and rabbis that issued the invitation, come and follow me. It was issued to people, you've got to forgive my voice, I've had a cold all week, <clears throat> so if I have to cough, I'm sorry. <clears throat> it was an invitation that the master extended because the master saw potential in you. That with some time and some training, with some hard work, the master believed that you could do what the master did and you could teach what the master taught. And so for these four fishermen... These four average Joes who had been passed over by every other rabbi and great teacher and had entered into the backup plan of the family business. This was a defining moment for them. It was a God moment for them. One of those moments where they knew that if they said yes, it would change the course of their life forever. And if they said no, they might regret it for the rest of their lives. Y'all seen the movie Braveheart? Braveheart with Mel Gibson. Put on the blue face paint. And imagine lying in your deathbeds many years from now, wondering what if. That's what these guys would have done if they wouldn't have followed Jesus' call to follow him. And so their response was to quit their jobs and was to leave behind their family and friends and to go, not knowing where it was they were going, not knowing what it was entirely they were going to do, but just to go. Because they knew God was calling. Have you ever had one of those defining moments in your life? One of those God moments? One of those moments where you knew that if you said yes to whatever was being asked of you, that it would change the course of your life forever? And that if you said no, you might look back on that moment in time many years from then and wonder, what if? What if I just would have followed? Well, if you've had one of those moments in your life, you know how Jesus has a way of getting through. How God has a way of getting past whatever fish we're trying to catch or whatever nets we're trying to mend. To make us aware enough that something bigger than us is going on here. And we've got to be a part of it. And so while you could say no, you don't say no. Because you know God is calling you on the adventure of your life. Eric and I have certainly felt that many times in our lives. But the one we're here to talk about tonight is the time that Jesus Christ came to us and called us to start the Net Church. Uh, if you're anything like us, um, whenever something big comes into your life, you, you start with the first natural question, um, why? Why? Why, Lord? Why am I going to do that? 
Uh, you know, we looked at the Rockford geography of United Methodist churches, and there's already like 17 of them, right? So uh, why does Rockford need another United Methodist church? Uh, we actually decided we were going to play around on that at first, and we actually, our first name, uh, our working name for the project was the 18th United Methodist Church of Rockford. <laughs> it was a mouthful, so we went with the net instead. It's a toss-up. But that was with the question that we had to answer. Why? Why are we going to do this? And for us, it became very simple. Because we had a passion for doing something in a new way. For reaching out to new people who had no relationship with Jesus Christ in a new way that churches weren't trying all to start that new relationship. And that's what we did. That's what we're doing right now. That's why we answered the call. That's why we're following Jesus. In the city of Rockford alone, there are over 32,000 young adults, just young adults, 32,000, who have absolutely no relationship with the church. None whatsoever. That's why we're here. That's what we're here for. Now, I do want to give you a little bit of our backstory. How did we get here? Because that's what we're talking about. That's the whole theme of this series is why do we do what we do? Well, we do what we do because we were two young men who had our head in the clouds. We were roommates in seminary. We went to school together. Uh, and I can tell you that the dream for the Net Church didn't start in a classroom. It didn't start reading a book. It started late at night at like 2 a.m., sitting in the hallway outside of our doors, just talking. You see, in seminary, you're just constantly working, uh, and so like 2 a.m., uh, Eric would be getting done doing his homework, I would be sick of playing video games, and we would just, <laughs> we would just sit together. And we'd talk. We'd talk about our dreams, we'd talk about our passions, we'd talk about the church, we'd talk about what we love, what made our hearts, what, what set us on fire, uh, what made us cry about the church what we weep for. And we realize very quickly that we have the same passions for the church, that we feel Jesus calling us in the same way to serve the church. Uh, and so we, we kept talking about that. I mean, I remember our first conversation where, where I was just like, gosh, I, I really just feel this, but I don't know how to bring it up because it's weird because what if I say, hey, you want to start a church? And he says, no, um, you know, it's kind of like getting rejected, but we're still roommates, awkward. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just, I brought it up like a joke. I was like, hey, you know, I'd start a church with you someday. That, that was the start of the Net Church. And then it grew. And we kept dreaming about it. And we kept talking about it. And our passion for it was continued. It continued to be kindled within us until finally, in, during Eric's last year of seminary, uh, we decided, okay, let's put some flesh on this skeleton. Let's, let's meet every week. We'll put together the nuts and bolts and we'll see if this is actually, is that for me? No. <laughs> God. You better answer. No. <laughs> and he does. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, we met every week. We started talking about the logistics of the church, putting it together and how that works. Um, and, and we did that for an entire year. Because, you see, we figured we both wanted to start a church, but that's just an idea. You've got to know a little bit more than that. And so we started talking about it. We decided that Rockford was the place that we would start a church if we ever did. Uh, we put a lot of the, of the nuts and bolts together, and then the idea for the net church became flesh. And if this was a fairy tale, we'd have lived happily ever after, and here we are, but that's not how it worked. Eric, it came time for Eric to graduate, 
and Becky was so selfishly about to give birth to their first child, so, uh, she, <laughs> so he had a lot on his mind. He had a lot to worry about. I still had some time left in seminary, and so we decided, no, it's not right. Now's not the time. Sorry, God. Great idea. Great dream. We had fun talking about it, um, but that's all it's going to be. So we went our separate ways. Now fast forward two years from that point. Two years. Eric is happily serving his churches. They love him. He loves them. Having a great time. I'm working at a Christian restaurant, intentionally hiring people out of homeless shelters, um, doing mission in, in urban contexts. And neither of us had any thought whatsoever of this pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by dream uh, in seminary until God came knocking. By a, a completely chance encounter, I ended up meeting with Okyan, our former DS, uh, just to talk about uh, the Methodist church in general. And she said, hey, you know, the co conversation was, are you going to be a good fit with the Methodist church? Would it be something good for you? Because, you know... Uh, as Jeff already told you, and as I have to confess, I'm not Methodist, uh, so don't hold that against me. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but I figure that since you are Methodist, you'll understand all these different things about grace, like provenient grace that would have brought me here. Amen. There we go. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I end up meeting with Okeon, and we talk about, are you going to be a good fit with the Methodist church? We decide, yeah, it'll work. Uh, then we just, she says, okay, let's talk about churches for you to pastor. And anyway, long story short, it turns out that at the exact same time, in the exact same way that Eric and I started dreaming about the Net Church, Okeon had that same dream for me. She dreamed about a church, a new church in Rockford that would do things in a different way, in a way exactly like Eric and I dreamed of doing them. Two completely different dreams, two completely different cities, two completely different people, the exact same time, the exact same dream. It's one of those moments where God takes out his God two by four and smacks you over the head with it. It can't be any clearer. And so, uh, it goes before the bishop, the bishop says yes, it goes before all the people that need to say the right things, and here we are. Eric and I are here. So, just like Simon, Andrew, James, and John, who received that call from Jesus that said, come and follow me, Eric and I received that call, and just like them, we followed Jesus. Uh, not just like them, actually, because they did it right away, and it took us over two years to do it, but that's why they're in the Bible and we're not. <laughs> so when Jesus called those first uh, disciples to go and fish, he called them to do something they knew how to do, but to do it in a different way. Um, and so he was going to spend three years with those guys, training them and teaching them how to fish for people instead of fish for fish. Uh, he did that through two primary methods. And so I'm going to give a new life pop quiz tonight uh, and see if you guys can tell me what were the two primary ways that Jesus taught his disciples. What methods did he use? Parables, yes. Uh, life application story. What else? Example, exactly right. You guys are a great church. You did good. You did good, Mark. Uh, through immersion, example, Jesus didn't uh, call these disciples and say, hey, um, I'll meet you on Saturday at synagogue, and then we'll hang out at synagogue school, and we'll see you again next week. Maybe here's a book to read uh, until we're together again. Uh, Jesus taught them, by, taught them a lifestyle, said so this is the, what the kingdom of God is, by actually living life with them. 
Um, in a lot of ways, Jesus became with the disciples kind of like Mary and her little lamb. Everywhere that Jesus went, the disciples were sure to go. And, and so they went with Jesus, and that meant they lived with Jesus. They partied with Jesus. They celebrated holidays with Jesus. They ate and they drank with Jesus. They did everything they did together. They did ministry together. He immersed them in life so that they could see through him what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about how it was only because the disciples had seen Jesus' prayer life that they wanted to learn how to pray. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them the Lord's Prayer. He showed them an example. says, this is what it looks like. The second way that Jesus taught was through parables. And parables um, are are speaking in language that they would understand. And so since that first century was an agricultural society, Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God by saying, you know, the kingdom of God, it's a lot like a harvest that is in need of laborers to go out and bring it in. That your job as disciples is to go out and to spread seed, and some of that seed is going to fall and it's going to grow, and some of that seed is going to land in places where it's not going to grow so well. He talked to them in ways that they can understand. He said, the kingdom of God and the people in it, that people are kind of like sheep, and goats. Some are stupid, some are stubborn. You just got to pick out which one it is and whether you're going to listen to me or not. Jesus spoke to them in ways they understood. So as Kevin and I started dreaming about the net church, we wanted to follow Jesus' example and to form and create our church the way that Jesus did. And so we wanted to speak in language that especially young adults would understand and connect with. And we wanted to immerse them in a lifestyle and not just meet um, for church once a week. And so as we start the Net Church, we've started this church not by starting small groups and worship services. We have, but that's not where we're calling them. Instead, we're using language gleaned from things like this. Does anybody know what this is? It's a, <laughs> it's a smartphone. It's an iPhone. Um, how many of you have seen any young adults with one of these like permanently attached right here? And if it's not permanently attached right here, it's permanently attached right here. As they're kind of walking along and texting their friends and not paying any attention to you and they run into you at the mall because they're not looking where they're going. People get these. Um, so we're using stuff from language from this to talk about church, which is, so instead of a small group, what we're doing is we're creating hot spots. Does anybody know what a hot spot is? What's a hot spot? Internet, right? You go to McDonald's, what's the first thing you do? You look for a Wi-Fi hotspot. You go to Starbucks, what's the first thing you do? You look for a Wi-Fi hotspot. What does a Wi-Fi hotspot allow you to do? Get connected. You get to connect to the Internet so you have all of the information available in the world at your fingertips. And you get to connect to things like Facebook so that you can know every meaningless, pointless detail in everyone's life you are a part of. It connects you to other people and it connects you to information. Well, that's what a hotspot is for us too. It's a place of connection. It's a place to connect to information and wisdom about God. And it's a place to connect to other people. So when we meet someone, we don't invite them, hey, come to church because they put up the cross and it doesn't mean it's a good thing. Um, or come to a Bible study, also not a good thing. And so instead we say, hey, you should come to one of our hotspots. What's a hot spot? It's a place of connection. Connecting to what? Do you have all the friends that you could possibly ever want to have? 
Do you have people that you know will be there for you when you need them? You can connect to that at a hot spot. Do you think that there might be more to what you experience in life than what you see? That there's more going on here? Come connect to that at a hot spot. And so when people come to a hot spot, it's kind of like a small group. It's 10 to 15 people. We meet together in people's homes all around town. And when we come, we do four things with them. One, we eat a meal together. We finish that meal by sharing communion together around the table. We teach and pray for each other. And then we hang out and have fun because nobody wants to go to boring church. And so we got that idea from this really awesome book called Acts, where in Acts 2, the disciples after the church was formed met together day after day in each other's homes, breaking bread, fellowshipping, praying for one another, and attending to the apostles' teaching. And that book says, day after day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, we haven't seen that play out so true for us, unfortunately. It's more like month after month, the Lord adds someone to our number. Um, But we simply are seeking to create these hot spots. And like hot spots are found all over town in many different places. Uh, We want to have a hot spot all over Rockford, meeting on every single block, every single day of the week. The young adults we meet with are incredibly busy. Some of them are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet. And so coming to church on Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday night just doesn't work. So what if we could do church on Monday afternoon, Tuesday evening, Thursday morning, Friday night, so that people could connect whenever they had time and connect in a place that's close to where they live in a small group where they can connect with other people and connect with God. And so we're creating a network, thus the name, The Net, of these little house churches that meet together. And we bring them together right now once a month for worship. We meet down at the Log Lodge at the YMCA, and we worship together. Uh, And that's kind of what we're doing, forming hotspots and worshiping. Uh, But the other thing that we're doing is getting out and just trying to meet people, because Jesus called them to be fishers of people, and Kevin's going to tell you how it is we're doing that. We do this in all kinds of different ways, all right? I mean, like Eric said, the basic gist of what Jesus did is he said, listen, we've got to go where people are. If we're going to go fishing, you don't sit in a boat in a pond where you know there are no fish. Am I right? I mean, unless you're like me, I don't like fish, so I don't mind doing that. But it's not effective. You're not going to catch any fish. You've got to go where you know the fish are. That's one of a fisherman's most closely guarded secrets. Do you know any fishermen? They will not tell you where they fish. <laughs> they won't. It's like in their in their in their will, they'll finally reveal it to their heirs where they fish. And that's what we need to do. We need to go out where the fish are. We need to go out where the people are. That's what Jesus did. He went to where people were. He didn't wait for everyone to come around to synagogue to see him. He was out finding them. And so Eric and I do all sorts of crazy stuff to try to meet people. Um, we go running. I, you know, it doesn't look like it. We're not much of runners, but we try running with people to meet them. Um, one of my best strategies uh, for meeting new people was I got married. Um, <laughs> not the only reason. Uh, <laughs> it's my wife, that's why I said that. Uh, she's, she's actually like one of the best evangelists in the church. She brings more people than I do. Uh, uh, we do uh, I joined a card club to meet people. Um, I, I also go to people's homes. I play video games with them. Eric is still looking for people that will do homework with them. Uh, that hasn't worked out too well. Um, we start fantasy football leagues. Uh, we go to the parks with uh, Eric's kids. Uh, he does that more than I do. It's kind of creepy if I try. Um, 
We, go, we started a guy's night at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, it's amazing what you can do over a 69 cent ice cream cone at McDonald's. Uh, otherwise, you know, we, we go to coffee shops and we go to bars. Uh, not for the same reason everyone else is at bars, but we go to meet the people that are at the bars. Uh, I have a part-time job at the YMCA. I work there so I can meet people. Uh, we're both volunteer police chaplains uh, so that we can get out and meet as many people as we can. Uh, I, we come here and play basketball, or at least we used to, uh, so that we can meet as many people as we can. Uh, we painted the, Mar uh, what was it, Makokita? Marquette. We painted the Marquette Elementary School with the Seeds to Succeed program, uh, and we met a lot of people that way, actually. Um, and we, our most embarrassing one, and the one that didn't work, and I have to tell you, when, when you're trying to meet new people, you're not guaranteed to succeed. Okay, that's, and you can't be afraid to fail. Uh, our worst failure that we have had yet is trying Zumba. Uh, <laughs> if, if you know anything at all about Zumba, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, a dancing exercise class. Ah, why not? We'll give it a whirl. Horrible idea. Epic failure, actually. You need to be able to move your upper body and lower body at the same time. And neither of us can do that. So when you're trying to meet people, you're not always going to succeed. There are going to be some failures, but you do have the successes, and we've had successes. Our, one of our biggest successes so far is what we're calling the Saving Summer Event Series. Uh, every month in June, July, and August through the summer, we're doing one event to reach out to the community in a big way uh, to try to meet people. Our first one in June, uh, we put on a big, a huge community fun fair uh, on the lawn of Evans Church. We had over 300 people from the community show up. We had over 20 volunteers most of which were very loosely connected with our church. Uh, and, but we had over 20 volunteers and over 300 people show up. Uh, in July, as a matter of fact, just this next Saturday, uh, we have an agreement with Stan Park Pool. They're letting us open the pool up for that night. And anybody is welcome to come. It's totally free for anyone in the community. The Net Church is footing the bill for it. And our big one that we're super excited about, we're coming up in August, we're doing, it's called the Net Church 5K Giveaway where we're hosting a 5K, and every single dollar that is raised uh, from people paying their registration fees is going to purchase school supplies for children in the Harlem School District. Okay? Uh, and why? Because we need to be meeting people. Because we need to be blessing the community. That's what we're called to do. That's how Jesus called us to fish for people. That's how the net church is called to fish for people. And tonight, that's one of the reasons that we're here, is to share with you how Jesus called us to fish and why Jesus called us to fish. Those are just a few of the things that we've done. Um, but it's not just what we're doing. And you all know this. You're a new church too. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim him as your Lord, you're called to be a fisher of people too. And we aren't doing anything that's rocket science. We're just taking what we enjoy doing, sometimes what we're good at and sometimes what we're not good at, and seeing that as an opportunity to go fishing, to meet people who are like us, who are different than us. We view every day as an opportunity to meet someone new for Jesus Christ. But that's your calling too. You're called to do those things you love to do, but to look at them in a different way to look at what you're doing as an opportunity given to you by God 
to change someone's life by introducing them to him. That doesn't mean that the first time you meet someone, you walk up to them and you say, hi, uh, I'm a Christian, here's a Bible. If you don't like it, I'll hit you with it. Um, instead, you just come up and you say, hi, I'm Eric or Jeff. Um, <laughs> what's your name? That's nice. Get to know you. Love on that person. And as you form that relationship with them over time, you then have the opportunity to share some of your life with them and some of their life with you. And you start to bring them into a connection with you so you can bring them into a connection with God. But you're called to go fishing every single day. You're not called to go fishing once a year on some trip up to Canada. You're called to go fishing every single day. Every single day you might be meeting someone that God is saying, I want you to reach out to them on my behalf. Just the other day, I'm going to brag on Kevin for a minute. He had this experience. Less than 24 hours ago, he had a dream in which he saw a young woman that he sees on a regular basis. Um, and in that dream, she was having some kind of problem. And when he woke up, he felt like God was saying, you got to talk to this girl. And so he prayed, God, let me cross her path. Just let me cross her path today. And wouldn't you know it, she came and crossed his path that very same day. And rather than just look at her and say, hey, I had a dream about you last night, um, which would be kind of creepy. Um, instead, he said, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay. No, really, how are you doing? God put you on my heart. And I'm just really concerned something's going on. And she opened up. She was having a terribly hard time. And Kevin had the opportunity to minister to her because he was ready to fish when God unexpectedly showed up and called him to do it. He was ready, like Abram and Moses and Mary and Simon and Andrew and James and John. What you have to decide is, will you be ready? And are you ready? Because Jesus hasn't stopped calling. In fact, Jesus is still here tonight, and he's saying, hey, I need your help. Let's go fishing. You, 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 let's go fishing. Come on, I need your help. And you have to decide, am I going to go when Jesus calls? Am I going to step outside of my boat and I'm going to leave behind whatever I got to leave behind to do this? Am I going to look past the risk so I don't have to look back and say, what if I would just follow that little inkling in my heart? But instead he said, here I am, Lord. I'll follow. So Jesus is calling you tonight. Will you go fishing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.